We're going to start in Isaiah chapter 55 tonight. It's not very often that I go all over the place with with verses in different areas, but when you have a subject or a certain thought on your mind, it'll lead you. So we're, we are going to exercise our Bibles tonight. We will start here. Do not expect your typical normal Bible study tonight or, or three points and a poem. This is just something a different. We're, we're going to have a little talk about God tonight. I pray that that who He is and His character, His attributes are just are just filling your mind. Like when we were just singing glory to His name. What, what were you thinking about when it, when it comes to your God? That's, I hope we leave filled with, with a, uh, just a, a greater closeness of detail of, of who our God is tonight. Um, I, I started out looking for a certain, uh, how, to, how to line out a certain message I had in mind, and I got off track and on track to something else. And and so in getting started, let's go ahead and read these verses. Isaiah 55, starting in verse 8, says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts... Than your thoughts, man. It would it would be very tragic if God, if God's ways and God's thoughts were the same as ours. That would scare me to death. Granddaddy saw a bumper sticker on a car one time while he's driving down the road. He said it was the most terrifying bumper sticker he's ever seen. It said, "Warning: I drive just like you do." And I, and I tell you what. The thought of God being just like us, that would terrify me. I'm glad He's not. Because human love, for instance, is conditional. God's love is unconditional. We cannot make God love us any more than He does. And we can't do anything to make Him love us any less than He does. But not only is there a difference in His love, but forgiveness you know, some people forgive until somebody does the same thing to them again. And it's risen back up. Forgiveness is not forgotten when it comes to the human being. But, but forgiveness with God. He cast our sins as far as the east is from the west. That's not a place. That's a direction. They're just gone. And, and, and never to return back. He remembers them no more. So there are differences in God and us. And I'm so thankful for that. God cannot break a promise. Man can. God cannot tell a lie. He does not change. You know, unlike the revenge of a person, a person seeks to get revenge to hurt someone. God says, vengeance is mine. I'll repay, saith the Lord. But, but He's never out to, to hurt anybody, but, but for the better. He's always working for the better for someone else. And, and we know these things. And we know that His ways and His thoughts are different from our ways and our thoughts. They're higher. They're better. But there's something we're going to look at tonight. 
there are some places in the Bible that speak of God and and human expression is put into these details of God. I believe they're there so that we can relate to our God better. That's the key that I, that I hope we do tonight, is relate to our God better. There's some human expression in the, in the, in the things of God as He is described. Sometimes it's figurative. Nevertheless, it's put there that, that a human can, that a person can identify with. In other places, there, there's human expression of God, and it's okay for Him to be that way. But for us to be that way is, is not the, is not okay. And we'll see what we're talking about as we get into it. Go ahead and turn to Genesis chapter 6. That's the first place of, of about six or seven places we're going to go. And in Genesis chapter 6, verses 6 and 7, we're going to talk about being grieved. You and I know what it's like to be grieved over someone or to be grieved about something. The idea of being filled with pain, whether it be by the events of life or whether it be by something that someone has said to you or something that someone has done to you, we're, we're grieved over many different things. We're grieved when, when a hurricane is is possibly on the way or has done some damage and and a home has been damaged or lives have been lost. You know the the Morrises have family up in Oklahoma and tornadoes go through there a lot and and you grieve over over the tragedy of what happens in things like that. But but not only that, we could talk about uh, a lot of things that we grieve over. Um, we, we grieve whenever nations go to war against one another. We're grieved by a wreck on the highway as we drive down the highway and there's police cars, there's, there's ambulances, there's fire trucks over there and there's sirens and there's lights everywhere and the freeways closed down. It's very probable that it's a fatality and you just grieve over that person and you, and you hope and pray that they were a Christian if they lost their life. And so we grieve over many things. Parents grieve over the decisions that their children make sometimes. Disappointing decisions, the wrong decisions, decisions that you know will bring hurt to your child, and you just grieve over it. When they have rebelled against your guidance and advice, you're, you're grieved over that. So we know what grief is. And, and then as we look here in Genesis, we're going to see and be able to identify somewhat with God because God is grieved over the condition of the people that He has created. Let's go ahead and read those verses. It says, And it repented the Lord that He had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. As we, as we can relate to the experience of grieving, now let's consider our God and how He grieves as well. We can relate to this in some way. The sinning human being, we find out from these verses, 
grieves God. It grieves God to see a people that He made in, to be in sin. It, 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 it hurts me. I wouldn't be exaggerating to say that the wickedness of man that He saw broke His heart. You know, in the text, this was a time of of a sinful, evil thought pattern of man, and it vexed God as a tender father is vexed over his over his stubborn child, and just as a parent must take action to correct the child in their wrongdoing and and in their stubborn, rebellious ways, so must God as well. He, he saw man, and man was wicked on the earth. And, and God couldn't ignore it. His holiness wouldn't allow him to ignore it. He wouldn't force man to do what's right and make him a robot or a puppet on a string. That would deprive us of our privilege to be able to love God freely. So He wouldn't do that with us. So judgment had to be made. And as God's making this judgment upon the the whole world, God is grieving. It's It's a grieving process and it describes the Lord's feelings that He has for people. And it gives evidence of the love that God had for the people that He made, the tender compassion for mankind. So so we grieve, and, and we can think about that. Think about your God. Your God grieves. He grieves over mankind. He, but we also see in there, not only that He grieves, but we also see a, a repentance. Uh, he repenteth. There, there, God repented, it says. There's a sorrow as God adjusted in His dealings with mankind according to man's choices. According to heavenly pur- purposes, God adjusted to the decision that man made. When man's free choice was to rebel against God, it brought about a judgment that, that God didn't want to, to bring forth. He had to deal with people in such a way that he desired would not transpire, okay? We see here a regretfulness with God repenting that He made man. You know, and as I think about that, God did repent that He made man, but He never repented that He went on ahead and redeemed man. Isn't that a wonderful thing to think about? Not only that, not only did God not repent that He redeemed man, no man, no woman has ever, has ever regretted being redeemed by the Lord and saved through the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so we see, in the character of God, in, in human expression it's put for us, that God grieves, that God repents. But not only that, we see jealousy concerning God. Exodus chapter 34, verse 14, I'll be with you in, in just a minute, over, over jealousy. I heard a story, whenever something says, ancient Greek legend says... Uh, may be true, I don't know. But anyway, ancient Greek legend says that there was a race. And of course, you had a first place winner and you had a second place winner. Man, there's a lot of distance between first and second place. First place, greatest person in the world, get praise. Second place, never heard of you. Lose by a nose and you're, you're out. I, I think second place is great. You know, just as well. That, that ought to be honored, but, but that's not the way it is. That's not the way the world is. So, so there's a race in this and, Somebody wins first place. 
and, and he's getting praised while second place watches on. He's, he's being honored and all of this stuff. And then, and then they build a memorial, a statue for the first place winner. And they set it up. And it eats away at this second place fellow. And he goes up there in the night when the dark can cover him. And he goes and he starts chiseling on that, on that statue that's made to that first place winner. Sculpted him out in it. And he, uh, so he started chipping away at the base of that thing. He went back every night chipping away at the base of the sculpture made for the guy that beat him in first place. His jealousy had just got to him. And he was there relentless and, and chipping away at it. Until it tipped, he chipped a little too much, it tipped over and fell on him. And, and took his life. The, his jealousy destroyed him. And, and so, as we think about that in the negative side for, for you and I, let, let's also think about something else concerning jealousy. What about jealousy used in the sense of, you know, we, we want our children to follow our advice. Not their peers, not their friends. That, that could be, that could be led into disaster. We want our children, we want the exclusive on them. We want them to follow our guidance and, and what we say. You know, that's, that's the way we want it. It's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like when you need a bandage, what do you do? You get a band-aid because band-aid has the exclusive on bandages. You need some baking soda, immediately you think Arm and Hammer. Arm and Hammer has the market. Well, we want the market on our kids' life. You know, that they would come to us. It's, when you need guidance, you only come to me. You go to the Lord and you come to me. And that's it. And that's the way, we're, we're jealous for, for their, for, for their focus on us, in a sense, if we could say that, okay? That, that we would have the exclusive, have the market on them and guiding them. Now, now look at, look at Exodus chapter 34 and verse 14. It says of our God, for thou shalt worship no other God. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. God demands that His children's love, devotion, honor, loyalty, time, and attention be given to Him. He demands that from His children. The Lord's love is a jealous love. It's, it's a holy jealousy. It's right for Him and okay for Him. And it's a jealous love in a holy way. God doesn't tolerate a rival against Him. God is not going to compete for your faithfulness to Him in any way whatsoever. He's not open to, open to sharing us with anyone or anything else. What, not, not with a, you know, whatever might be our lowercase g God today or, or, or idol worship, you know, it, it may be, it, it may be a sin or it may just be a hobby that, that comes before God. Maybe the job comes before God. Whatever the case may be, whatever it is, you know, maybe it's your very own children that are coming before God. Whatever, whatever the situation is, it's, it's idolatry. Uh, we know idolatry then was the golden calf or a, or a 90-foot golden wall or things of that nature. But today, it's anything. idolatry is anything that is put before God. 
And God calls it spiritual adultery whenever something comes before Him. And, 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 and God doesn't play that. And He will not compete for our faithfulness against anything, anytime. However, when there is something that's getting more of our attention, it is going to arouse our God's jealousy. He is a jealous God, and He wants our attention. And when His jealousy is aroused, it's going to result in correction. So, so think about that in your God, our God, that He, that He is a jealous God. You know, we can also see jealousy, not only in correction, but we can see the jealousy of God in His grace. Because He made man, and He lost man, man turned against God, but in God's grace, in His, in His zeal and jealousy for us, He gave His only Son to die on the cross for our sins. So He lost us, but He bought us back again with Jesus Christ. And you can look at that as being a result of the jealousy of God through His grace to do that. To draw us, to give us eternal life. God is jealous for us, okay? But not only do, have we seen these things, and He's jealous, but laughter. Turn, turn to the second psalm. Psalm 2 and verse 4. Let me ask you, let me ask you something, parents, and I'm not trying to pick on you young people. I love you young people. We have precious young people at, at Lakeway. But let me ask you, parents, you know, uh, what if I were to ask you, what age was it that your kid got to that they thought they knew more than you? I, I thought I would hear some laughter in that. We, we kind of, you know, that, that's the way we deal and think about something like that. It, it, it comes out in, in, in a laughter. I had a, I had the, a family of a church come to my house one night. And I said, you don't have to. I can bring you this or that and uh, tomorrow, whatever. No, we'd like to come by. And I thought that was fine, you know, a little personal time and all. Well, well, a family came over and they indirectly were, were trying to degrade another family in order to win my favor. I'm nobody, but they were trying to win my favor on a certain little issue. And, and I saw it immediately. I could see right through it the moment they opened their mouths. And and I just laughed within myself the whole time. I, I couldn't even listen to what they said because I knew what the intent was. And, and I just laughed at the vindictive, deceiving thing that tried to happen. Just laughed within myself. And, and so and so think about how how we do that. All right. Now now look at the second psalm right there in the beginning of Psalm Psalm two and verse four. It says, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Are you with me now? Human expression describing our God that we might relate to Him a little more. God's reaction is described here as laughing. Laughing at the foolish plan of the one that would try to stand against God and to oppose Him. I'm tied into somebody that I see every now and then by way of family. And every time we get together, I know what's going to happen. They're going to tell me something 
they're going to take a shot at Christianity and they're going to tell me something that's going on in the world that's threatening Christianity. And the last time it was a, a man and woman, they're either the United States or in the world and they have a whole lot of money and they are going to put an end to the Bible, the Bible's going to end, and Christianity is not going to exist on this earth in about 50 years because of the money that they have. It's probably real good that I'm not real quick and snappy with remarks. but Because, because you know what I said? Yep, God's sitting back laughing about that one. That would probably be good to say. But... uh but anyway, I didn't say anything. I just kind of smiled. I, I used to argue. I don't even do it anymore. Um, success, true success, is impossible for anyone who tries to stand against God. God is the Lord no matter who tries to escape from His law. No matter how much money anyone has, no matter what someone tries to come up with against God, it is not going to work. He is always going to be Lord. His church is going to be in this world till Jesus comes back. His truth will never pass away. The worthless, empty effort of the enemies of God brings about laughter to God. He laughs at it. And that laughter is to be known as a scorning that takes place. And that scorning that takes place is going to, it is going to end up being, uh, coming upon God's enemies in, in such a way that 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 there's just the end to them in that situation. Laughter. Laughter. Something we can all relate to and understand. The Bible says that, that God goes forth in laughter over this situation. But not only that, what if I what if I told you that that God swears as in take an oath? I can't, I couldn't just leave that there even to try to stump you. Uh God swearing as as taking as taking an oath Jeremiah 44:26 listen to what it says Therefore hear ye the word of the Lord all Judah that dwell in the land of Egypt behold I have sworn by my great name saith the Lord that my name shall no more be named in the mouth of any man of Judah in all the land of Egypt, saying, The Lord God liveth. God took an oath. God vowed a vow. That's something you and I do. We're, we're warned in Ecclesiastes about being very loose with doing that, but, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't make a promise to God or, or, or someone else or anything like that. It just means we should keep it. And God Himself vows a vow. God Himself takes an oath here, swearing that His name would no longer go forth out of the mouth of, of any Jew in Egypt. A, a, a people had crossed God's deadline. And, and they had arrived there, and that was it. So God, God swears. Alright? But not only that, God is spoken of in the human expression of sleep. And we see that in Psalms, in the 78th Psalm and the 65th verse. Then the Lord awaked as one out of sleep. 
and like a mighty man that shouteth by reason of wine. I know what you're thinking. God neither sleeps nor slumbers. God does not sleep. But in the human expression of what is being conveyed to us here, it's, it's, it's as though and compared to a man that is sleeping and rising from sleep to take action in something. And that is exactly what the Lord does here. As far as the Lord has shown some endurance, to his, to the enemies of his people. His people have suffered. The enemy has been against his people. And the Lord is just showing endurance for a while. And then, and then he bursted on the scene to exhort his power. God can be thought of in the position of observing a lot of times. In many cases, He's observing. We, we want to see God's justice. We want to see His vengeance immediately. Some, God has His own timing in these things, and God is observing. Do, do what I was told. When, when, someone, when someone comes against you or does something, just say, Lord, you, did you see that? Not, not Lord, get him. Lord, you see that? Because as he's observing in his own way and in his own time, he will take care of it. So, so God does not sleep. He is, he, he is always up, but sometimes, sometimes he is just at a, at a distant observance and, and you never have to worry about something slipping by. He's going to take care of it. Never mistaken God's observance as uh, time of observance when when the 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 vengeance or whatever we would like to take place never mistaken it as God's too busy or God's asleep or God doesn't care He does everything that He does in His own timing He has timing for revenge against His enemies and He has timing for deliverance of His children. How about the human expression of God compared to a physical body. Exodus, let's go back to Exodus chapter 33 verses 21 through 23. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee in a, in a cleft of the rock and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by. And I will take away mine hand and thou shalt see my back parts, but my face shall not be seen. The hand, the back parts, the face of God. Human expression relating the physical body situation to us. Now this is, now this is a spiritually figurative. It's, it's figurative in a spiritual manner. When, and what it's saying is when we are so close to the Lord, we see more of Him. We see more of the Lord in life, in our lives, than the average Christian is going to see the Lord. Christians that walk closer to Him are going to see Him in a much, in a much more clear way in their lives. We're given human expression of the person of God in body members here. The face, the hand, 
these things for us to relate to give us comfort and to give us to give us hope that we will see God in our lives when he is the rock that we stand on, when we walk closely by Him, when He is the shelter that that we take, we get a glimpse of His glory, okay? He's using seeing God in a figurative manner because we can see a glimpse of His glory today through the eyes of faith as we walk closely to Him. And we see His majesty as we live for Him. So, so consider this tonight. Consider this as you think about your God and us understanding our Father in relationship. You know what it's like to be grieved. And, and God is, is much higher and, and, and His ways are much different than ours. But our God gets grieved. Our God repented. Our God is a jealous God. Our God deals with things with a laughter concerning the enemy. That, that's something that, that we sometimes do. God makes an oath. God, God vows a vow. God is related to, to sleeping and rising from sleep in the way that He comes on the scene to avenge His people. And then, and then even the physical body is considered in this, as far as God being spoken about in human expression. Well, some, some way, somehow, I hope that you and I can picture some of the many attributes of our God by the way He conveys Himself to us in, in characteristics that are like ours. So, so think about those things. Think about those things in our God. Those things that we're familiar with. It's, you know, sometimes I get real excited about something and I, I don't know how it affects others, but it, but it just made me really, really think about our God. We can't know everything. We're not going to master everything. We don't know all the depths of heaven till we get there one day or everything about our Father. But nevertheless, there's some greater understanding that we can have of Him. I believe the Bible does this in such a way so that we can relate to our Father just, just that much more and that much better.